1: Hello, how you doing and welcome along to the latest episode of 90 Minutes podcast series at Football's a Climate Conversation in which we take a look at how climate change is affecting the beautiful game. So in this episode we're going to be discussing Bristol City and Millwall's sustainability projects and we'll also find out who has won the 2022-23 Pledge Ball League title. I have to say since we've started this series, been dying to know who it's going to be. My name is Shabana Hare and I hope you're having a good one and thank you very much for joining us today. Pleased to say I'm in fine company as well. We've got Peter Smith, Head of Change and Sustainability at Bristol Sport Group, which includes Bristol City Football Club, Bristol Bears Rugby Club, Bristol Flyers Basketball and Ashton Gate. Peter, you're a very, very busy person. How are you?
2: Yeah, very well, thanks. I uh, said so It's been a busy season football rugby and we've uh, just completed our stadium concert this summer so relieved to get that one out of the way on monday
1: good good and also joined by mark fairbrother who's head of sustainability at Millwall. mark how are you recovered from the final game of the season
3: i don't know if i'd use the word recovered um yeah that was uh, obviously a really tough ending to the season for us all but um look We've got a chance to now uh, refocus, rebuild, and um, hopefully go one better next season. But um, when you look back at the last twelve months, absolutely brilliant on and off the pitch. So um, there's some real positives to take.
1: Brilliant, well done, and all the focus moves on to next season uh, and starting now when you can, Mark. We're gonna we're gonna start with you actually because Millwall's sustainability pledge is called Lion Living. Um, reading into this, it's an incredible real story and and where the tagline comes from there are only twenty thousand lines left in the wild that's enough to fill the den and it's time to act It's very powerful um and it kind of does exactly what it says in the ten. it has us all thinking can you explain it to us
3: yeah i mean it's it's basically it's been an evolution of the work we've been uh doing at the club for just over a year so well, basically we we really started kind of quite haphazard in how we were approaching things and um we were doing lots of kind of piecemeal projects but nothing captured it all together and i think the the risk there is if you've got people kind of working on their own areas um it, it's disjointed it perhaps not as effective so I uh, pulled together a committee of staff from um, all parts of the business, including the training grounds, the academy, um, the community trust. And we basically said, look, we need to look at what we're doing, look at the good things and actually focus this. And actually when we're confident in what we've done in our first stages to kind of go out there, we've got to sell it to the fans because what we don't want to appear is to be preachy and say, look, we're holier than now, look at what we're doing. Actually, it's to say... It's for all of us. It's not just for the club to do. It's for uh, the fans, our partners, our sponsors, um, all the people we interact with. It's it's for all of us to act. So um, obviously, the lion is really important to the club. Really important to our crest. It's it's fundamental and. It's such a big thing, and such a powerful message—the fact that it, there are only twenty thousand, well, less than twenty thousand uh, lions now in in the world—and obviously those numbers are, are keep keep falling as uh, as we continue to damage the environment, but also um, obviously with other human activity.
1: I take it when you created that tagline as well, and when it came around, it gave a lot of people a lot to think about, and did it encourage a lot of reaction and people wanting to change?
3: I think so. Yeah, I mean we've the last couple of years we've um with the wwf wwf pledge we've removed the lion from the crest um kind of uh the same weekend as a lot of other clubs that have and actually that got our fans talking already yeah. so they already uh, kind of obviously a world without lions a world without uh, various other animals on other club crests so actually bringing it into um the the badge and obviously the lion and the history and heritage of the club it actually it explains it better to fans and i think it's just it's it's a it's a visible and impactful statement and obviously the guys on the committee that um were were looking after that area they they thought this is the best way rather than giving it another name that um as we have on other projects that kind of will sell internally actually this is something that especially for our kind of junior lines our our junior supporters this really kind of gets some weight with them
1: Hmm. No it does, I definitely feel it's got quite the impact already and I hope you start to see that change. Um, talk to us about the journey then from Millwall, when did they start on the sustainability journey?
3: Well I've, I've been here since uh, 2019 so when I came in we were looking at a couple of different areas anyway which I've been doing previously working in rugby union um, so we started off with some simple things and. not part of my job i'm the also the finance director here so I'm, anything that involves saving 20p i'm first first in line for it so we had a big push looking at single-use plastic bottles we um we were consuming an absolutely disgusting amount of single-use plastic bottles and that was obviously we know there's the players on the pitch the players in training but it's also staff it was just simple for a member of staff to go and grab a plastic bottle of uh, water out the fridge There were we had ample supply everywhere and basically said, look, that is a significant cost. It's an unnecessary cost. What can we do that just changes some behaviors without it feeling like people are being disadvantaged? So we reduced straight away, we got rid of fifty thousand bottles annually from our consumption. Um, mm-hmm. we took it down to six thousand, which pretty much mirrored the the core requirement of the training ground. And then we could go into kind of phase two of reducing that. So that was kind of the first step. And It was a financial driven one it was one where we're saving money but which which sells it to people who don't necessarily go well we shouldn't lead with a green credential because you're always going to have to justify it whereas when you're saying this is saving us twenty thousand thirty thousand pounds a year all of a sudden people go well even the most cynical person can't argue with that and that's how we've approached it with um our energy reduction so a big focus has been reducing electricity consumption and obviously there's the 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 related savings uh, in terms of reduction of greenhouse gas and emissions but also it's if we can save £200,000 of energy costs that's £200,000 that we can invest into the playing side which could be the difference between finishing eighth and finishing sixth.
1: Well yeah I mean it makes perfect sense at the end of the day is that is that how much just asking for a nosy person is that how much was saved by reducing 50,000 bottles of water was that around 20 30 grand?
3: pretty much yeah yeah because we moved to using filtered taps at the mm. stadium and obviously more recently filtered taps at the training ground and um we bought single use uh, we sorry we bought um reusable chili bottles for the players so that when they're in training they've all got individual bottles and it's those simple steps that people would do in their own life they wouldn't people wouldn't necessarily go and buy 50 bottles of um 500 mil water each week actually people get a water filter so it wasn't an alien concept to anyone and the players appreciated it and actually i think having a their own kind of uh, chilies bottle was much easier for them and they they uh, they buy into it really well
1: yeah, and I bet you've got a gold star for that saving in the, on the <laughs> yearly amount when it comes to bottles of water. Um, no, that's a that's a really good idea. I think every club should be doing that as well. And quite often when, when we go along to do press conferences or uh, media days, you actually, you see the amount. Now I think about it, the amount of bottles of water that are sitting around for guests coming in. Uh, those taps available, everybody's got a reusable bottle. It should be there for everyone now and it's, a good cost cutter as well but more importantly brilliant for the environment um and talked as well about the 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 results that you've seen um as well in terms of from the players and the staff around you
3: yeah well we, we we engage with the players at an early stage so we got a couple of our players when we launched line living in february we got a couple of our players to um record videos because again they they, they really bought into what we were trying to do so um they to be honest, they're not going to care that we're reducing gas consumption by 5% by doing X, Y, and Z. That doesn't have a a, a direct uh, impact on them, and obviously they're they're professionalised. But when they're seeing the work we're doing around the training ground, looking at ecology, looking at um, increasing biodiversity, they can see the benefit. And if they're doing it in their own lives, they actually go, well, for quite a few of the players we've spoken to, especially in the academy and the under-21s, they go, well, we expect you should be doing this because we do it we do it when we've been going through school we do it in our home lives so why is it that you're not doing it so it's i think there's an expectation level on all of us now that we should be doing more
1: Mm. absolutely um peter well done mark uh, on all that you've achieved so far peter i mean i'm keen now to hear what you guys are doing at bristol city you're heading up the sustainability efforts through project white beam um can you tell us about that please peter
2: yeah, excuse me, I think um, I've probably been on a fairly similar journey to to Mark at Millwall. Um, we started off by realising that some individuals were working in silos trying to do the right things for the right reasons, mm-hmm. but that they weren't connected up and that had the issue with the not producing the actual outcome for the environment that they thought they were because they... they it, Their great ideas were just tailing off at the end and not being realized properly Um, but we also realized that to do this fully in a more holistic manner that we needed to get together so we again we initially pulled together a working group um and then we packaged it as project white beam and we were ready to launch just a couple of weeks so we just launched it internally in fact just before um the first so we then kept the ship in the harbour rather than smash it on the the, the rocks and the big storm that was Covid and relaunched it um, last year in, in August. Um, and yeah, we're doing it as a collective uh, between all the bits of our organisation, football club, rugby club, basketball and Ashton Gate as a stadium.
1: And it's been a huge success so far, Peter, because you've won already an award for for the the action that's been taken.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of um, sort of, I guess, uh, awards and uh, sort of schemes uh, in, especially in the football world that we've been recognised for. Um, the Football Supporters Association um, uh, Climate Action Award last last autumn, and then the EFL Green Club of the Year Award this spring. And um, Sport Positive rankings uh, rank Bristol City as the most sustainable club in the in the Championship, and I think across the league, we finished second to our. Neighbours, Forest Green Rovers up the road who have done some uh, you know, amazing work for, for a decade or more.
1: Brilliant to see all the clubs around you and know that you're keeping tabs on what what those other clubs are doing as well. And again, it's that competitive way of sport and football and whatever sport you're interested in. And, then, you know, people are really getting involved in this and making sure that they're doing bit for their club and for themselves. Um, and that's what's been fascinating about you know keeping an eye on the league table And we hear from Heather a little bit later on Um, the the competitiveness that's coming into it as well um, and also tell us about the the most successful initiative Peters that have I've taken place and that have been utilized so well.
2: Yeah so I think we we try to put on a lot of levers all at once and change everything about how we operate here and that does mean there's a a lot of stuff going on we're making progress lots of progress in lots of areas um but i think to pick out a couple of points and say one would probably be our work within the area of food we identified very early that food is a large impact item for us due to the amount of food that players consume at the training ground and at their away games and also of course supporters at ashton Gate. Um, so we now provide 14 plant-based options at ashton gate for fans on match day we ensure that any surplus food is travel is sent less than a mile to a local homeless shelter and that's something that the football players uh, do on their away trips as well so any surplus food from the hotel when they're playing across the country goes to a, a local uh shelter and we've also um been partnering with Fairshare Southwest providing with them them with space on site since uh, since spring 2020 and in that time i think they've pumped out around six million meals worth of food which would otherwise have gone to a landfill to those who live with food insecurity so i think that's that's been a success story for us and and, a, and an easy win i in in some respects um, and i think just generally our engagement with supporters we as Mark said earlier on this isn't about telling supporters that they're doing anything wrong it's about us all having an open and honest conversation about our impact. Um, yes we want to uh, encourage you know use our platform to talk to people about a very important issue and it'd be wrong of us not to do that but it, sometimes it's also just about uh, enabling them to make the choices that they want to anyway and that might be through providing sustainable transport options for a match day or sustainable food choices or just giving them comfort of mind that when they come to watch a game at ashton gate that we are doing what we can on in terms of energy usage and water usage and 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 waste
1: it sounds like uh you're setting a brilliant example there at the club and you know, just some of the things I'm hearing there about the the, the food going to uh, people less fortunate as well is just a, a really good act from the club uh, as well and making sure that things are done properly. Um, really, really good to hear. Um, Mark, I'm going to come back to you now. Um, what impact has the framework had on the, the clubs uh, so far and, and what's been the positive impacts of the framework as well?
3: I think it gives us it gives us something to work to. It gives us um, consistency and approach. And I, as Peter was talking, look, we're all competing on the pitch. But actually, when you see clubs doing things really well, you, you, we collaborate. We we speak to them. We actually get an understanding of what projects work, what projects don't work. Um, and actually, uh, having a framework underpinning all of that just really helps. It just means that you don't go off um, kind of. On your own kind of uh, crusade that actually doesn't really achieve what it's supposed to. So um, obviously we there's lots of different frameworks that we work to. We work to EFL Green Clubs and then um, obviously the UN Sport for Climate framework. Actually, that's really they're all they're, they're all achieving the same ultimate objective, but in different ways. But for us, I think without those, we'd probably be kind of poking in the dark a little bit and doing things, but still to what we were where we were at. Three years ago, where we were doing piecemeal projects, but without a coherent, joined-up approach. And uh, mm. one of the points Peter made, which was, you do get that silo mentality where people do their own thing and not realise the impact it has elsewhere in the in the club.
1: And pledge ball as well is another participation that both clubs have, have taken part in. Uh, Peter, do you find it's it's benefited working with pledge ball uh, during the 2022-23 season? <laughs>
2: yeah i mean we love our partnership with pledge ball um that was one of those conversations that came about when we were launching this project pre covid which sort of i guess to some extent was was temporarily a, a victim of, of of the pandemic um but we um i don't want to use that term too lightly but yeah we we picked that back up um mm-hmm. you know pledge ball is once you've
0: Head to Hero.co to shop today.
2: A fun, engaging, competitive um, project to work with. Um, it, it it introduces that competitive edge um, without being too serious, and it, it enables us to get people thinking and talking about environmental, environmental sustainability to a, a really wide, huge audience who may, and some of the, some of those fans we're talking to may not ordinarily engage with, with these ideas or have thought of those things. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's been great. And it's great to see how Pledge Ball itself has has grown and risen and more clubs have, have come on board. I think when we started, I think we're the first professional football club to partner with them. Um, and I think we're probably still a rugby club, probably still the, the only professional rugby club to partner with them. Um, wow. But it's great to see other clubs joining in that initiative because the the collective power is is absolutely massive.
1: And, and you must love that a little bit more as well, Peter, because Bristol City won the 2022 Pledge Ball League. We've heard this before from Katie, who often joins us in the podcast as well. Um, how did the fixtures go for you this season?
2: Yeah, it was, um, I, I think our learnings from the initial, the, the inaugural league which we won were, I guess, how we packaged it and how we don't want to just hammer supporters into submission with uh, with our messaging we 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 package it around feature games now um so that it doesn't just become wallpaper that fans get used to and we can we can focus our attention a little bit there Uh, we've we've discovered new touch points to um make that more engaging um both in the stadium and and uh online um and yeah we i think uh in the autumn we probably had a slightly slower start this year maybe some fans that were naturally geared towards this felt they'd already done it but we um Hmm. we went again and did a big push and i think we had a nice little surge in the springtime so yeah
1: good mark how did millwall get on during their pledge ball fixtures this season how'd it go
3: to be honest really well we only signed up midway through the year um so we launched our first pledge ball fixture which was sunderland in february which was green football weekend yeah and we used that as our launch of lion living so we thought um long and hard and actually said look rather than going with kind of three or four different uh, touch points during the year let's go full and exp- and basically uh, kind of crudely say lift our skirt up and say this is what we're doing warts and all you can see everything this is this is the results obviously put it on our website with our um, co2 emissions and the work that we've done and where we're at for our uh, baseline measurements but we then link that to pledge board say look the sunderland game it's it was one of our sellout games of the year we knew that it would get um kind of we knew that we'd have a lot of fans in and we actually said, look, it, it, there was other, other uh, activations going on that day, but for us to actually explain kind of the, the mm-hmm. line living policy to explain what we're doing and explain how the fans can get involved was great. So we've only had two fixtures this year, but both of them were really well received. And we used the the second game, which was we played Preston North end and that was our community day. So we, we did it as part of our wider Community Day because, again, that was a lot of our other touch points from the Millwall Community Trust, um, from various other other in- initiatives that we've got in Southwark and uh, Lewisham. So we linked it to that and actually, again, really well received. I think when you're putting it out there and kind of talking to fans about it, most of them receive it really well. And I think, as Pete said, people are doing this in their own lives. People, this, mm. is, this isn't people having to make fundamental changes. And I think people bought into the... I suppose, the integrity of the, of the competition and actually it's it's not having to make wholesale changes and not having to kind of um, change the way you're acting because people do. And we're, one of the benefits of being a London club is most of our fans travel here by public transport. So it's not a case of having to change behaviours. These behaviours, because of the benefit of where we are, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were, in, say, in Manchester or Birmingham.
1: Hmm. I. Actually, in saying that point, it's a reason why we're not seeing so many sports stars or athletes or football players or rugby players coming out and really putting themselves out there as as green-fronted because they can kind of contradict themselves because they have to travel and you know all that kind of thing. But are we any closer to seeing uh, a big name at either Millwall or Bristol um, wanting to lead the line for sustainability? Because when a player does it, fans react. Fans want to be like players. And I think that could be also a key driving force of of getting the message really over the line
2: yeah i mean I, I i'm happy to come in on that from our side um mm. we've we've engaged the players throughout this project um and found an amazing traction i i guess yes you're right the the fear of being labeled a hypocrite could be a uh, a barrier um so can people fearing the science behind it but mm. that is a fair reflection of everybody in society yeah um and i think we as a club, when we launched this, we said we're trying to do three things here, which is to to recognize, measure and mitigate our impact on the environment. And I think the, the recognized bit is possibly the the first hurdle that a lot of people skip over. Um, we'll be the first to put our hand in the air that say we have an impact. We have an impact now. We will still have an impact for a long time. Um, it is purely about reducing that. So let's get over the whole hypocrite and the finger pointing stuff everybody needs to and can do more and I'd extend that to me and my personal life so you know um but the player engagement is is absolutely massive of course they've got a brilliant platform Uh, as long as your performance on the pitch is somewhat adequate people will listen to them um I I guess the challenge sometimes is the 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 fact that especially in football uh, you know players come and and go um so you need to make sure your projects aren't based around purely around one athlete, um, but yeah, you know, there's always somebody back, somebody else in there, and I'm sure in, in years to come we'll have entire squads who will back this in their entirety.
1: Yeah, Mark, do you agree on that? It's a case of just not everybody judging somebody for the fact that they might have to fly somewhere for a game. It's the fact that they're making the the conscious effort to change and make a difference in their personal lives as well.
3: Completely. And I think, um, obviously, the point around clubs leading on this, um, obviously, look, Bristol are top of the sport positive leagues in the EFL. uh, Sorry, top of the championship, second out of all 72 EFL clubs. That gives us now a great benchmark. All Premier League and all Football League clubs have been assessed by sports positive leagues. I mean, we, for our first kind of go in there, we were fifth in the championship, 10th overall in the FL. So for us, great, but it gives us areas to target on. But also, this shows that the clubs that are doing uh, good and great things, it actually shows that and it, it makes it clear to everyone that obviously the the guys at sport positive leagues detail some of the initiatives that as to why they've given certain grades and why they're given certain criteria. So actually it's not just a case of here's a ranking and there's no yeah. more to it. There's actually some good science and good thought behind it which actually shows the good stuff that's going on. And I don't think you necessarily need to have a club leading, but I think actually the competitiveness of us all goes well if everyone's going to be looking in the championship at Bristol going well I want to beat them next year Um, but the guys at Bristol I'm sure Peter you'd agree you'll be looking going well where is it that we're falling short what is it we can keep doing because actually it's not about being top of the 24 in the league but it's about continuing to move on that journey and um, a team like Bristol are further ahead than I say a team like Watford but we're all going in the same direction so it's it's sharing those ideas and hopefully it's not just one advocate that stands and puts their head above the parapet it's it's 15 or 20 of us
2: yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that mark and, and i think you, you touched upon the frameworks a, a bit and i think all the frameworks whether they're um you know the un sports climate action or um sort of the sport positive rankings, I think they they do one really important job apart from just shine a light on those that are doing either nothing or doing well, um, which is important. But more than anything, I think they they encourage us all to do a proper framework. So, you know, the clue is in the word framework. It, mm. if, if we're being measured by a framework, then we have to set up our own framework and that gets us all away from uh, vanity projects and swapping out a few plastic stores from paper ones and then running around telling the world that we're, you know, telling everyone that we're saving the, the world because we're not. But um, if we do that in uh, that you know, holistic sense, ticking all the boxes, taking a broad change management process, then I think we're making more fundamental change to, uh, yeah, to our impact and to mm-hmm. our wider society.
3: And it helps us just to see the areas we are deficient. So from the sport positive leagues, we could see water is an area as a club that we've done some work on, but we are we're we're, we're behind the curve in terms of the leading edge. But that mm-hmm. helps us because in terms of our resources for next year and our committee internally, that's now the priority. We've been, I think, like a lot of clubs, you go for the low hanging fruits in terms of the things that can be done that actually have the biggest initial impact now phase two for us and we're in we've just kind of briefed the staff as to what year two of lion living is going to look like but one of the things is water consumption one of the things is how do we get the how do we achieve the 2030 target early and um that's that's a real challenge but that's where you get to the next level of actually starting to kind of engage with best practice not just in sport but elsewhere as well
1: Mm, yeah, both of you are very much on the same page of, of, I mean, seeing it's all about the progress, isn't it? Not the, the final decision, just that everybody's working together to do more. Um, OK, Mark, Peter, before I let you go, I need to know what your clubs have planned uh, coming up in the summer or anything that we can look out for from Millwall, Mark?
3: Um, Hopefully um, a lot of exciting signings and uh, we, we start the season as we should have ended last season. But <laughs> no, I think... Um, we we've got a lot of projects going on but nothing that's going to be kind of coming to fruition immediately i think there's a few things we're looking at big ticket items in terms of energy reduction and um renewable energies but i would say in the autumn we're going to start those and then that's next summer um i think we're going to be the stadium will look very different the year after with uh, a lot of hopefully nice new solar panels and nice new floodlights but we'll, we'll see we'll see there's a lot of uh there's a lot of work to do with the board on that one
1: Yeah, well, if you keep saving thirty grand a year on water, I mean, you might get your way quite quickly. Um, Well done, good good work on that, and um, let us know when that change is happening as well, and hopefully we can talk about it here on the podcast. Uh, Peter, what about Bristol? Anything coming up in the pipeline?
2: Um, Yeah, but I don't know what it is yet. Um, We we we, we've sort of probably done a fairly similar process to what Mark alluded to. with lion living at millwall where we we want to sort of box off year one uh have a little bit of a stock check see where we're at uh and then plan out the the second year of this project um, we haven't done it yet uh so yeah we've you know we'll be doing that over the summer we do know that the the carbon stuff is, is going to be big and hard and we need to start tackling that so we are in our benchmark year. we're just literally probably i think the last day of our benchmark data is today Um, so we'll be working with our consultants on seeing what that looked like in year one and then turning our attention to how we start to get that down Um, we're under no illusions that that will be very hard because um, some of the the stuff is ingrained in how we all operate our day-to-day lives in the western world Um, and to make changes for some of that stuff will be large projects in their own right and pr- require capital expenditure and and take a long time to do May uh, maybe locked in with contracts and and all these kind of things so um that will be a, a big ask of us and something mm-hmm. we're sort of going to take a bit of a run up to over the summer and trying to start tackling now but that will probably be 10 20 years worth of, of projects.
1: well good luck uh, for it Mark uh, at Millwall, Peter at Bristol, well done on all your efforts uh, we're going to keep tabs on you and hopefully catch up with you again very very soon but until then thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck for the future uh, and, and getting things going and moving forward with sustainability at your clubs and to finish today's show we're now going to be joined by Heather Ashworth from our friends over at Pledge Ball who we mentioned earlier who's going to give us the story of the Pledge Ball League over the past month and announce the winner of this year's at Pledge Ball League Championship, Heather how are you? You well? Hi, yeah, I'm great, thank you. Um,
4: It's been a great few weeks of football for me. Um, I've seen Burnley lift the Championship Trophy a few weeks ago uh, and also attending the promotion parade um, in the Town Centre as well. It's been amazing. Oh, good.
1: Brilliant, a positive season for you. And and talk to us about then the coveted Pledge Ball League title. How did it look?
4: So, um, firstly, I'd just like to thank Every single fan that's got involved with the Pledge Bowl 2022 23 season has had some excellent uptake, um, and it's been really great to see people getting involved. Um, I'd also like to say thanks to the clubs that we partnered with. Um, we've had some strong finishes from our partners. So, Bristol City Women were in 16th, we have Burnley in 12th, um, Bristol Rovers in 11th, Norwich in 5th, and Charlton in 4th. Um, so since February and the Green Football Weekends, Leeds have been dominating the top of the table. However, mm. in the last few weeks of the season, we've seen a last-ditch attempt um, with some excellent work from their fans. We now have a new leader and champion of the Pledge Bowl League 2022-23 and so this season's winner is back-to-back champions Bristol City. Um, come back. And taken the league again. So congratulations, Bristol City fan! You've worked so hard to pull off that victory in the added extra time of the season. So well Oh,
1: done. that's excellent, Peter! Come back on! Come back on! Did you know this? Is this is this just been revealed now, or are you surprised as me? <laughs> I,
2: know, I, I didn't. I didn't know that, but I did know that we had had a um, a, a good spring. Um, I was actually on a, another call um, a short while back, and somebody said to me. I said I think I've just just been on it saying I think we're around third or something. And somebody said, No, you're top. And I said, Are we? Yeah, <laughs> so, so that was a, a big positive thing. So yeah. Um we we managed to uh, put a lot of effort into that over the over the spring um and, and reach out to fans and we yeah, so I think we've we've worked out how to en- engage with sport as well. And I think they've they've learned sport now, which is yeah. it's, it's great. They they are they, they recognize it, they understand it. It's it's not a new concept to them. So um, but please.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Peter, well done on that. Well done to everyone at Bristol. Mark, of course, well done to everyone at Melville as well. Heather, thank you so much. Anything we should be looking forward to next season that we should know about now? Um, so just a
4: couple of things really quick. Because it's the end of the season, we we'll are now be doing our prize draws. So if you pledge for your club, keep an eye out for a chance of winning a shirt if you're a Burnley or a Bristol City fan, opportunity to tour Loftus Training if you're a Art fan, Director of the Day here Bristol, Rovers fans there's a whole load of prizes up for grabs still, so um, just keep an eye out for those draws and also if your club isn't involved, get in contact, let them know that you want to want them involved and you want them to um, have prizes available. And lastly, uh, keep an eye out the summer, we're doing a Women's World Cup campaign and we're really excited to see that launch then.
1: Cannot wait for that. Just around the corner. Heather Ashworth from Pledgeball, thank you so much. Peter from Bristol, Mark from Millwall, thank you so much. Well done to all of you and hopefully speak to you again soon.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar.